Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, talking baseball until 11 o'clock, between 9 and 11, as we do every Saturday morning, 52 weeks a year. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, and we promise you to give you our best 87% today. Just like Tony LaRusa advised, <laughs> so we don't pull anything. Good morning, Bruce. How are you feeling? Good morning, David. Yeah, you're already fired up. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, as David said, this is inside the clubhouse here every week, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball with you at 312-644-6767. Feel free to hop in anytime you find a subject interesting enough to join David and myself. And David, uh, tale of uh, two teams last night, one offensive failure, another uh, great pitching match up in St. Louis. Where would you like to begin? Well, you have to admire and respect what Kyle Hendricks did in St. Louis. The Cubs are 3 nothing winners over the Cardinals. That was Kyle Hendricks at his best. He goes into the eighth inning. This is somebody who controls and dominates the Cardinals. So I think you tip of the cap to... Kyle Hendricks, and you wonder as a Cub fan, 312-644-6767, does that make you feel good because it's Kyle Hendricks and it makes you remember the good old days, or do, do you have this sense of dread because you know he might be the first uh, or, or among the many to go before the trade deadline, Bruce? But I think we've got to start on the south side. I think we've got to start with what happened with the White Sox. One run in two nights to the Baltimore Orioles, and Bruce, one hit last night. The Orioles are 33 and 39. The White Sox are 33 and 36. That's not the way it's supposed to go. This team is supposed to hit. By the way, a team looking for an offensive start, a spark, has a guy come into their clubhouse in Lenin Sosa. When's he ever going to start, Bruce? What's going on with the White Sox? Hold your horses, David. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, this is uh, 162 games. So uh, okay. this is a kid that came up from double A. He was extremely hot down there, as you point out. 
uh, one of their uh, best-looking young players down there. Up here, not because he's ready to play in the major leagues, David, but because of a need. And we've talked about this before. I talked to you and Mike Mulligan this week about the fact is once a player gets here, is he here because he has passed all the barriers that he must pass to get to the major leagues? Or is he here out of a a desperate need for a team? And I think even though Sosa will play this weekend, according to Tony La Russa, he's here out of a desperate need for a team that has a bunch of injured players, including uh, their short, their shortstop Tim Anderson, who's playing at about what would you say, David? Sixty-five percent, maybe uh, around what does it there. Look like to you? C- clearly limited. Clearly playing through something that you have a lot of respect for him playing through that, and that's why I think Bruce, you do have an injured team. You do have. The White Sox struggling. They need a boost. They need a spark. They need something in the way of a minor leaguer coming up. This is this is the script, and I yeah, gotta that's, think that that's begging, David. No, I, look. I, I mean, it is, it, and I say with all due respect because you know I I, uh, I respect your opinion on this, but when you say it, it, they need that spark from a minor leaguer coming up. That tells you everything that's that's wrong about the Chicago White Sox right now. Injuries, well, they have a lot of lack wrong. of offense, right? Well, it is it is the lack of offense. But but again, th- this is what it comes down to for me, Bruce. And I know I probably sound desperate, say, thinking you need a, a double A guy to save your week and to, to you know restart your season. But I do look at what's happened. The Danny Mendick injury was difficult and terrible for him. Out for the season, torn ACL. Josh Harrison gets hit in a very bizarre kind of hit-by-pitch in the back of his arm, so he's out last night. You know? And I just look at let, – let's look at last night as a, as a microcosm of what's going on here. You get one hit from Jake Berger. Your last 19 hitters are retired in order. And you've got Lenin Sosa stapled to the bench. I think that there's something going on here. He's here for a reason. The front office looked at him as a guy that skipped a step at AAA – he, he, he catapulted over and passed uh, Yomer Sanchez, right, at AAA. And then he gets up here, described as being hot as a pistol. And, boy, one way to cool him off, don't play him. And I just don't know yeah. if they're on the same page because they the organizationally, they identify Lenin Sosa as somebody who can help. Then he's brought up here, and he's not permitted to help by the manager. What's going on there? I think that, to me... It stands out as, as a question that remains unresolved or unanswered. Yeah, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and, it, and it makes sense uh, that you, you need a spark and you want, you want a kid to come up here and be that spark, and you, you hope he can be. But to me, that, that there's plenty of desperation going on because you have a team that is built to win, at the very least, win a division, and, and, and most people thinking – certainly challenging to be a World Series team this year. And you've had nothing but injuries from the start of the year. And, and, it's, and it's been unfortunate. Uh, and now you're, you, as you mentioned, you're, you're playing with a team that has a shortstop that is not able to play full out on offense or defense. And uh, a, an infield decimated with Mendick going down with Harrison uh, being hit on uh, the, the elbow and not ready in yesterday's game. So, uh, you know, clearly uh, this is a team that it could be 
David, in uh, for lack of a better uh, idea, a team that's feeling pretty bad about itself and, and feeling okay. bad for itself. Um, let's listen to Tony LaRusso last night saying that the one hit and the two walks that they got were uh, basically on him. Yeah, in this league, you don't you either do or you don't. And when you don't, whether you're the players or the managers, you, you just take take the heat. The fans didn't come out to, to watch us get beat that easily. So I'll take the heat for them not getting ready to play. I'm good with that. What does that speak to you, David? What, is that, what does that. that really say to you, though? <laughs> well, it's, you, it says to uh, me. You want to leave it at that? Or is Tony no. saying, look, uh, we didn't play a good game, and I'm going to take the heat, but I'm really saying is our guys didn't come out to play tonight. Well, I think, okay, he's taking the heat for a team that, that didn't hit and hasn't hit in the, in the last two games. Against an Orioles pitching staff, I think Bruce said is a little bit underrated. And obviously the Orioles come to town and you think that's an opportunity for a sweep or winning three out of four or whatever the case. Tony LaRussa stepped forward and wanted responsibility, took accountability and says, blame me, point the finger at him. And, and I think that is what we hear sometimes from coaches and managers. Okay, admirable quality, admirable trait. But I think in this case, there is, there is, that's not exactly inaccurate. And as he wants to put himself out there, that you can say, I know what's going on here. It's not all on the manager. The hitters have to hit. The pitchers have pitched fairly well. But I think that, yeah, there is some shared responsibility here. It's not all on the manager, just like it's not all on the hitters. I, I still go back to the one move specifically, and, and we pick apart his lineups on a daily basis. But I, I just don't know if you have a, if you have a offense and a lineup struggling to manufacture runs and to create excitement. You bring up a player known for his ability to create excitement, and he doesn't even get in the bat. That, well, he got in the he got in the game the day before. Well, and boy, Bruce, that was a great nine pitch at walk, wasn't it? Boy, that walk was well, exciting. Go back to Charlotte, young man, or wherever it, it, Birmingham. It, you know what? For for the White Sox, any walk is exciting, okay? <laughs> because this is a team that doesn't walk. All right, uh, two walks last night, three walks the night before. Look, they hit the ball pretty well uh, the first game against the Orioles. They were shut out, but they got nine hits, and then there were three. Probably four plays in the outfield by the Orioles that were unbelievably great uh, mm-hmm. game plays. And balls hit really hard. Uh, again, am I making excuses for the White Sox and why they didn't score? No, but I, I'm telling you that Baltimore played two outstanding games on defense. Uh, they're not, even though they're the worst team in the American League East, they're far away from being the worst team in the American League at this point in time. They are an improving team under former Cub coach Brandon Hyde, and they certainly have come out and played some baseball. Last night, uh, the disappointment, of course, David, the Baltimore Orioles had a bullpen night, okay? So their starter had start, started one game previously. Otherwise, he's a bullpen pitcher, and in that previous start, he, he threw – uh, a couple innings last night, three. And it, and it was a, a, a total bullpen night where the Chicago White Sox couldn't get anything going against a very good bullpen in the Baltimore Orioles. I think they're in the top four uh, in, in the American League. But the reality is, is they know, Larusa knows, you know, the people in the ballpark know that they should have done better 
with what uh, they were they were looking at last night than what they did. Michael Kopech goes six innings, gives up three runs. Velasquez and Foster finished up. Bruce, there was an incident in the, the second inning, I believe, Jorge Mateo hit by a pitch by Kopech. Bench is cleared. Uh, words were exchanged. It was one of those typical baseball fights. Everybody looked kind of uh, at each other and glared and looked at the threatening, menacing stare, and then nothing happened. Uh, there, were, there was a warning. Uh, things moved on. Does that look like something that will carry into today? No, not, not at all. It was just, you know, Baltimore was thinking that this is payback for Harrison getting hit on the back elbow, okay? Which, uh, like Steve Stone said on the broadcast, uh, he has never even seen in his, uh, you know, 55, 60 years in baseball, he's never even seen a guy get hit on the back of the uh, backside elbow, in this case, the right elbow. So you have to throw behind the guy, and the guy has to put his elbow out there for it to get hit. He wasn't thrown at. Kopech wasn't throwing at uh, Mateo last night. But, uh, you know, again, the Orioles thought that, and, and that's why everybody came off the bench. A few words, you know, it's a typical baseball fight, which is no fight at all. You know, 312-644-6767, Cub fans, what was going through your mind uh, when you were watching Kyle Hendricks look like vintage Kyle Hendricks last night against the Cardinals in St. Louis? Sox fans, where's your level of frustration? And are you with Tony LaRusso, who says, blame me, you're, you're two steps ahead of him. You're not only blaming him, you were chanting in, at him, and you're encouraging the White Sox to do something you wish that they would uh, when you go to the ballpark. But in all seriousness, Bruce, I, I do want to explore this a little bit further. I do want to look at your opinion of, is there a disconnect between the dugout and the front office when you have a player who was brought up and clearly skipped a step at the minor league level, clearly came here with some implied promise and with an exciting player. And then he gets here, and, and the quotes about him and what Tony Larusa says about him is says, right now he's up here temporarily, right? He can go nuts and force himself into the lineup. I don't know how many opportunities he's going to get. That's a buzzkill. So is there anything there or more than meets the eye, because what I, when I see that, when I hear that, those aren't really compatible. You bring up a player to, who's exciting, and then you, you, you say that he's not going to be in a position, you don't put him in a position to help you out. Look, he hasn't even been in a AAA locker room. So he comes up, he gets acclimated to being in the big leagues, okay, for a day or two. He, his first game, he, he goes in there, and, and he, he has in a bat, as you said, a walk. So he's acclimated. So they got him in there. Now, the next part of the progression is he'll probably play today and at the very latest tomorrow, he'll probably start. Okay, that's that's good news, because here's one player that the White Sox can put out there that hasn't been injured. I don't know. uh, You have to tell me of all the White Sox players this year, maybe even including most of the pitchers, which one of them haven't been either hurt or on COVID uh, uh, being off for a while. I, I think almost every t- guy is uh, playing out there uh, a little bit injured. And we'll get to uh, uh, what LaRusso said about uh, Andrew Vaughn and some of the players uh, a little bit later in the show about um, being smart about running out there. I don't know how a baseball athlete goes out there and plays under control of their body. David, you're going to have to let me know how that works because I don't know 
when a player, when we, we say Anderson 65%, Robert is 70%. Um, uh, you see him hitting, both of them hitting ground balls. They are running uh, at about 40 or 50% on any ground ball to the infield out of design, okay? Right. That well, is not to blow out, okay? Yes, you're right. It is by design. It's a good question and observation. And I, and I uh, addressed this on Friday on the Mullen Haw Show, and I think it, it's, it's a fair question. When you have a team full of players who are by design being advised to not go 100%, lack of effort, not even lack of effort, but controlled effort, you're going to have minimal focus. It's going to affect you at some point in time. This is a White Sox team that cannot be firing on all, almost all cylinders. It's got to be locked in. This mm-hmm. is a team that makes too many mistakes on the bases, defensively, fundamentally, to be able to not see a connection between that understandable uh, you know, advice that says, okay, don't go 100% all the time, guys. It's a 162-game season. I get that. But I think what a, a byproduct of that, Bruce, is a team that's not very focused. Well, it's possible that it's, all of that is right and, and it's true. Look, if you're David Hall, manager of the Chicago White Sox, right, you have your choice of running Robert, who's, Robert and Anderson, who are your two best baseball athletes on the White Sox, out there at 60 to 70%. Uh, your choice is either have them go out there, tell them to be smart about how they use their body and how they run the bases, or sit them on the bench and put somebody else in there, okay? What does David Haw, the manager of the Chicago White Sox, do differently? I tell them to heal, and I try <laughs> to make an educated guess here based on based – on, Bruce, you can't put somebody out there that is so so obviously compromised that you're not going to get uh, his best effort. I, I think there's a fine line, and the, and the Sox are trying to walk it. But I don't think that you can dismiss all of, of what comes with telling players not to, you know, put forth their full effort. Because when well, you do I, I that, think put put their forth their full effort, David, and be smart about how you run out there when you hit a ground ball. Those are two different things, but the distraction certainly can be there. Your point's well taken that a, that an ath- a baseball athlete can be distracted by the idea that he can't go 100% on every play, okay? That's a distraction because that is alien to what you're, you're doing out there by busting it on every play and uh, letting your athleticism be a big part in the case of Robert and the case of Anderson, big part of what you're able to do. They're the two of the best baseball athletes, I get not it. only on the White Sox, I, they're the two of the best baseball athletes in baseball. I get it. And there's no one answer that fits all, all players in all situations. But I think you asked me this. If I'm the manager of the White Sox, I'm demanding only a couple things. You play hard, you play smart, and you don't beat yourselves. What happens with the White Sox is they're not playing that hard. They're not playing that smart, and they are beating themselves. So I don't know if that is connected, but I think it's fair to explore or at least ask a question. Let's get to the phones and squeeze in a, a call here, Bruce, before we break. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Good morning, Paul. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, just a quick question. I know, Bruce, you just mentioned it. it's 162 and it's early, and I know, I know Steve Stone always reminds us of that because he's Mr. Positive, but – I mean, bigger picture here, 
is this Sox window going to close quicker than maybe most thought? I mean, look at how quickly the the Cubs window closed when guys like Schwarber and guys that they brought up started to even Brian after his first couple of years didn't didn't produce the way he originally did off the bat. You keep talking about Luis Robert and how great of a baseball athlete he is, but I mean, has he really produced this year? I mean, maybe he is hurt, but I mean. Lance Lynn's running out of time. Abreu's getting older. Yeah, Vaughn's been good. Uh, Tim Anderson's been Tim Anderson. But this pitching staff doesn't look to have the uh, staying power that it once had. Can this window close a lot quicker than it, you know, Moncada has been a complete disappointment. I mean, can this window close a lot quicker? Yeah, you can still probably win the division because the division is going to be bad probably for the next couple of years. But World Series opportunities, are they really there? Thank you, Paul. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Uh, David? My view is, I think Paul is right. When it comes to the pitching staff, anyway, uh, I, you know, you have Kopech under control. You hope the ascension is linear. You look at um, Cease, one of the best young pitchers in baseball. You're good. Giolito, you only have for this year and next, okay? There's no guarantee after that. He's a free agent after 2023. Lynn is a free agent after next year, okay? So uh, you, you're really struggling to find, uh, you know, other pitching here. You had to let Keuchel go, okay? Uh, Johnny Cueto is a one-year buy-in. You hope you get a full year of that very good pitching that he's brought with him along the way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't see any great – I mean, they they have good young pitching. The White Sox always uh, bring some young pitching up. But, uh, you know, again, there's no guarantee after this year that uh, this team uh, is a World Series caliber team. I think – they need some additions along the way, and hopefully they're going to make them uh, before the All-Star break. Or, or One of the reasons they the- were thinking World Series this year was the addition of Kendall Graveman, and he will join us next inside the Clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thanks for listening this morning on this Saturday morning inside the clubhouse. David Hoffer's mind. Lively discussion to open the program. Cubs and White Sox. White Sox struggling. Two straight losses against the Baltimore Orioles. Today they try to rectify that with Lance Lynn on the mound. Cubs, meanwhile, still in St. Louis against the Cardinals. And Bruce, I think that when you look at the White Sox bullpen, and we're hoping to connect with Kendall Graveman here soon, Liam Hendricks, his absence has had an impact and he sounded an optimistic tone Friday on the station in talking about coming back. Do you think he will be back after July 1st? And when he does, if he is in that neighborhood, in that area, what will his return imply for the White Sox bullpen? Well, there's a a couple of major things that he brings. First of all, Nobody has been better than him over the last three years in baseball and closing down games and just being the bulldog that he is going out there and just wiping people out and challenging people, not afraid of the home run. He's given up some home runs, uh, but certainly has been uh, arguably the first or top or second best closer in the game for the last three years. So that swagger uh, at the end of a ball game. Uh, th- that's missing. And if people don't think that counts, it, it, it certainly does. Just ask anybody uh, how they feel when they know they have a shutdown closer at the end of the game going out there and, and doing doing his thing. So 
uh, I, I guess our next guest can give a, a little perspective on that because he spent some time in that role as well. Absolutely. The SCORE guest line is sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that is where we find White Sox relief pitcher Kendall Graveman. Good morning, Kendall. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing well. And let's just start with what your week has been like. You haven't been called upon because there hasn't been a lead to protect necessarily, but how would you describe the way this bullpen has been uh, pieced together, how they have come together in Liam Hendricks' absence? Yeah, I mean, next man up. Um, I mean, we're hopeful that Liam comes back and is healthy here in a few weeks. And, you know, I think things are trending in the right direction for him. Uh, he could speak upon that a little more, but just talking to him, I think he's feeling a little bit better than what he was. And, you know, anybody that's down there and has the ball and stands on that mound that comes out of the bullpen is somebody we believe can get go and go and get out. So I just try to tell the guys you might be presented with some opportunity um, some situations that you haven't ever been presented with before. I mean, you look at, at Lambert and some of the times we've put him in the game. Like, he's never done that before, and he's been a starter his whole career. But uh, just trying to give him confidence that he can go out and compete in those moments and, and get outs. Lee, um, Kendall, before uh, you came on, David and I were talking a little bit about the swagger that a bullpen has with a – shutdown closer you were that as well during your career uh when you walk by liam's locker right now and he's uh, getting prepared you see smoke coming out of his nose i mean it's like it's kind of like a caged animal you know that uh you know i he's in there and he can't get out right now uh what is it like to have that type of closer you being one at one point certainly uh in your travels and uh with with the knowledge that you have Liam out there to come in and shut games down. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially when he's healthy and he's pitching that I'm just trying to hand the ball off to him when my name's called to to be able to get the last outs and those last outs are um I mean, there's still three outs, but they're for whatever reason the most difficult three outs to get and I I think personally you have to have a mindset um that Liam does and to go out there and compete the way he does. Uh, I know he's he's beating himself up not being able to pitch, but you'd much rather have to, you know, hone somebody back and tame him in instead of have to kick him to work. And he's one of those guys that we're all trying to tame him a little bit and say, hey, you need to take this slow, this process a little bit slower and make sure that you're healthy when you come back. So he has that same mentality when he pitches. And, you know, I played with Liam in Oakland, and we've had uh, time together when we were we were both in Oakland. And um, just to see his career and his career path take off, um, it's uh, something that a lot of hard work and his mentality has really helped him. Joined by Kendall Graveman here and Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7, the score, David Hall, Bruce Levine, talking baseball. And, Kendall, you have become somebody that when he, he takes the mound, White Sox fans kind of exhale and they, they, they feel like, okay, things are going to be fine over the, your last 10 appearances in the past month. You've given up one earned run as you have become more comfortable in Chicago making the transition here this offseason, what's been working well lately, and, and why uh, why do you think that you've had so much success? Yeah, I think the success stems from um, just the work that's been put in, um, not only this year but in years past. Uh, this is something that doesn't just happen overnight. It happens over a, a length of time that um, a lot of people didn't even get to see. So I think that's one. And then secondly, the, um, just being prepared each day. 
um, knowing hitters, knowing uh, what pitches to throw in what situations. Um, and sometimes as relievers, we just kind of throw that out the window. Uh, that's more of a starters thing. But myself having a starter background, I still try to hold on to that, especially being able to throw four or five different pitches. I really want to know what I want to attack the hitter with. And I think that's helped me with the success. And uh, at the end of the day, my goal is to go in and get put up a zero. Um, doesn't matter how pretty or um, how ugly it may get, uh, just put up a zero. Um, and I've been able to do that fortunate enough to help the team win when I've gone out there and you know we're not even at the halfway point I think um, July sometime in next month is the halfway point so uh, we still got a lot of ball left and uh, hopefully continue this this trend. Kendall uh, you you impressed me from spring training on and Tony LaRusa more importantly about the way that you went about your uh, job of getting to know all your teammates and to even go watch them hit in the cage and uh, take ground balls and go through batting practice. Uh, you know, it, it was it was impressive to, to see how someone assimilates to a new club and gets to know and understand what his team teammates do. So from from that perspective, I'm wondering what you've seen over the last couple of days, especially uh, yesterday, and uh, whether it was just a, a disconnect uh, yesterday or uh, are guys out there right now, you know, who are not 100%, are, are they are they in a situation uh, where they don't really know how to play when, they, when they're at 65 and 70% and trying to protect themselves from getting injured? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily see it as that, Bruce. I, I think, I mean, man, you're, you're, we've had, obviously everyone knows and people listening know that, I'm not going to bring it up again. You know, the, the, the situation presented with us, but at the end of the day, what it boils down to is we have to go out and find ways to win baseball games. And whatever that may be, from the pitching staff to uh, offense and defense, all of it combined, um, there has to be something within us to continue to, to, to win baseball games. And, you know, that's one thing that um, – I've seen in the past from this team is we have gone out and played not on our best, you know, 50, 60, 70% and, and we've won games. So I think we just hit a little streak here where um, we've felt a little bit of the scenario that's around us as far as some injuries. And man, I, I think personally it's opened up a door for a lot of opportunities. And I try to always think positively upon um, some things that happen especially when you have no control over um, injuries, right? And and for me personally, I've, I've seen some positives happen. I've seen Berger step up and, and be presented with an opportunity. I've seen Mendick, before he got hurt, an unfortunate scenario there, step up and he was hitting well and playing great defense. I just started to see Jay Hay uh, start to swing it a little bit and, and play outstanding defense. I mean, the, the opportunity is there. Um, and Reese now being able to call games. And you got Seve, who's coming up swinging the bat well, um, who had an opportunity with an injury. And so that's the biggest thing that I can kind of contribute is, hey, these guys are, are now presented with playing time. We have to find out how to win when these guys have playing time also. And I believe in them. I truly do. And I've told a lot of those guys that already is, hey, I believe in you. I trust in you. And we need you to win. I don't think we're told that enough. Uh, in this level, especially man-to-man, is, hey, we need you, uh, and, and I believe you can get the job done. So 
that's my job, trying to be a leader um, and tell these guys, hey, we can get this done. we still got a lot of games left. That's a great perspective, Kendall, and I think that you are in your eighth year on, on your fourth team, so you have that experience that you bring into the clubhouse, but you're also very aware, and you know that the frustration outside the clubhouse maybe and among the fan base is building when you have a team like the White Sox, so much talent. And here we are, 33 to th- and 36, even though there's a lot of season left to play. You hear it at the ballpark, I'm sure. You sense it around town. So how would you describe the difference between you know, what is going on in the clubhouse, the mindset that you guys take, and how much that, I don't want to call it negativity, but certainly the, f- the frustration that exists in the fan base, does that have any impact at all on the players in the clubhouse? We, we love our fan. Our fans are passionate, and I even mentioned before um, publicly that the best atmosphere I ever played in was coming here when I was with Houston last year in the playoffs. And to see those fans stay um, for that entire game dressed in all black was uh, amazing. So um, I really commend the passion of our fans. And trust me, we don't take lightly not winning baseball games. I, I, I just want to make that known, too, is, hey, it, it wears on us when we don't win. Um, it's not like we just roll over and say, oh, I'm making money and I'm just going to move forward. No, it, it really does. It, and we're we're here trying to figure it out too. Um, we don't come up to the we don't show up to the field thinking uh, maybe we win, maybe we lose today. We we're really trying to put our best foot forward and win a baseball game. Now, I understand the frustration when it doesn't happen, but trust me, it's frustrating on our end too when it doesn't happen because we're competitors, and I believe that in this clubhouse there's a competitive nature that um, is very good in this clubhouse, and we're we're going to continue to to strive and try to win each game. Um, is that possible to win every game? Absolutely not. Can we be better than what we are? I believe so. So there is room for improvement, and I think that's the the biggest thing we can do is trying to find ways to improve and to move forward and improve in those areas to make ourselves a better team as a whole. Kendall Graveman joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Haw and Bruce Levine. We're here for you every Saturday morning, 52 weeks out of the year, talking Chicago baseball on the score. Kendall, last night after the game, Tony La Russa took the, the heat and the blame for the loss. Um, now, we, when you hear Tony say, okay, look, we didn't get it done, uh, I, I think it's on me, uh, you know, because uh, obviously our fans didn't come out here to watch us uh, uh, lose like we did, and uh, I didn't get my team uh, prepared to play. Is that coach speak, or is that Tony, in your mind, talking from his heart, saying, look, um, you know, if a team plays this way, it is on me and the coaching staff? Yeah, I think he truly means it. I mean, Tony is a Hall of Fame manager, and I don't think he's, you know, personally, he wears – um, loss is very difficult uh, on himself. Like he, just knowing him, I sometimes ask him in the day, "How you doing?" He said, "I'll let you know after the game." And I know you guys may know that, but uh, fans listening, I mean, he really wants to win every game that he straps it on for, and that's what's made him a good manager and a Hall of Fame manager, in my opinion. So, I think um, when he says that, he does reflect, and he's a good uh, self-evaluator and a self-reflector as. All of us are trying to be better at, and I think when things like that happen and we have a, a rough game, he feels that he has a job to do and he didn't do his job well. And I, I love the responsibility that he takes. And um, uh, trust me, within the clubhouse, 
we take that same responsibility uh, upon ourselves to, hey, we didn't do our job. And then Tony had a job to do, and he felt like he didn't do his job. So um, we can man up and say that, and he can too. And that's when you have a good family um, around you that, hey, we can take the blame. We're not going to blame it on anyone else. There's no transfer of blame here. Kendall, in closing, and, uh, and David and I really appreciate your time as always, and your insights are great. Um, when, uh, when players are told to be smart and not go a full 100% when they're playing injured, how, how tough of a message is that for uh, players to really get around, you know, can, can they really get that through their mind when you have great athletes like Robert and Anderson going out there and, uh, you know, being told and knowing that, that they, they can't play 100%, but still not being distracted by the fact that uh, these are two of the greatest baseball athletes in the game and they're trying to figure out a way to play when they're really not there. Yeah, I think it's probably a little frustrating for those guys. I mean, um, you if you own a Ferrari, you're not wanting to drive it 20 miles an hour. I mean, both <laughs> of those guys are, are sports cars, in my opinion, and they're built. Uh, and like you said, they're, they're two of the greatest athletes in this game right now. And to be able to tell them, hey, um, I need you all to tone it down just a little bit, just for a short period of time before we let you loose. I mean, that's personally something that's probably tough for them to hear but it's the right decision it's the smart decision we can't have any more injuries and if that prevents an injury or if we think that's going to prevent an injury then that's what they need to do um because i mean ta's hitting 348 or whatever he's hitting and and lou bob's hitting almost 300 so i think um you need those guys those guys are the meat of your lineup and um they're they're not playing 100 percent at this point in the time in baseball, I don't know a lot of people that are playing 100%. So I need you to give me the best effort but also be smart. And I think that's the the message that's being relayed. Um, and then once they start to feel better, you'll see it, you'll see the intensity um, kind of increase. Kendall, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, best of luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking again. Thank you, guys. Kendall Graveman, White Sox relief pitcher. Great perspective there, Bruce. He's a guy that's easy to deal with and fourth team in eight years, but he does bring that experience to the bullpen. He brings a perspective, I think, that is valued in the clubhouse. Really good talker there. Very astute guy and always a great guest for us because uh, he not only uh, says yes when you ask him, but he brings his best like he does on the field as well, which is always great, always appreciated. We have a lot more to get to, including uh, – President of Baseball Operations for the Chicago Cubs, Crane Kenny, joining us at the top of the hour. Your phone calls always welcome, 312-644-6767. Crane Kenny at 10 o'clock. We, when we come back, I want to ask Bruce if he agrees with me. The biggest question that arose this week for the White Sox will close the loop on the Sox, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. I'm, like, not exactly in the best place right now. Uh, i kind of out of sync um, mechanically over the last like three or four starts to be honest um, so you know there's some work to be done here adjustments to be made um, really haven't been pitching well like I'm not I'm not proud of what I've been doing the last uh, couple weeks here so uh, got to pick it up welcome back inside the clubhouse David Hall Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock that was the voice of Lucas Giolito on these airways last Sunday morning on Hit and Run. 
And Bruce, that was before his fifth straight bad start in his last five starts. Now his ERA is 8.78. It is the worst stretch of his career over five games. And Bruce, right now, he is the worst of the, of the White Sox five starters. Question you mentioned earlier, the White Sox will be active before the trade deadline. Do you think they will be in the market for a starting pitcher? I don't see why not, just for fortification. I mean, you, you, you hope everybody stays healthy from this point on, but you still have almost 100 games left, David. So from that perspective, yeah, I, I would like to see them do that, uh, at least add one starting pitcher, maybe maybe two, because that's the game. We talk about the lack of offense, and that's been true. The pitching has been really carrying this team to even the mediocre record that they have right now. It's been more about the pitching, but – uh, you know, if, if you get a, another injury to a starting pitcher along the way, uh, you're you're in a, a bad situation. Right now, you're in third place, and uh, you're not really even close to the top two teams. You're four and a half behind both uh, Minnesota and uh, and Cleveland. You you must do, you must get to 500. You must stay there, and I think uh, it goes with starting pitching. But getting uh, Giolito straightened out is the key. He told me a couple days ago when I talked to him that. Uh, he's working with uh, the metrics people and everything to kind of figure out, uh, even if he is tipping his pitches, he said, hey, that's not an excuse. If your pitches are good enough, they're not going to hit them all. They're not going to hit them hard. So from that perspective, uh, he, he's gone back to the drawing board for sure. And I'm in no way suggesting you trade for somebody to replace Giolito. He is somebody that is good enough when he's on to be your ace. The problem is he has looked anything but like but your ace in the last five starts or really Bruce since he's come back from the COVID stint if you look at the numbers I don't know if there's a connection to be drawn but they're there to study I think in seven starts since he came off the COVID list his ERA is over seven so I do wonder if there maybe he needs a break maybe he needs a 10-day IL stint or longer I don't know what the answer is but it's very difficult to remake your mechanics or to tweak those things in season. Yeah, remember he had a, a stomach issue too uh, with a, a pull in there, and he was on the IL as well for that. So it hasn't been a, a, a tremendously linear year for him at this point. I still have great faith in the, his ability to, to get it straightened out because uh, he's a pretty cerebral guy, and, and he knows how to go get it fixed. His stuff is there. Right now they're, they're just hitting everything that he throws up there. We will get back to the White Sox and their many issues later in the program. But when we come back, Bruce, the Cubs president of business operations, Crane Kenny, joins us here inside the clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 